Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hey, everybody. It may be football season, but there was a big trade in the NBA today. The Cavaliers have... A prize coming their way, the former All-Star from the Utah Jazz, Donovan Mitchell, is going to the Cavaliers in exchange for Colin Sexton, Laurie Markkinen, Ochai Obagi, three unprotected first-round picks in 25, 27, and 29, and two pick swaps in 26 and 28. How about that? And then Colin Sexton... He agreed to a four-year, $72 million signing trade deal to join the Jazz. So a big deal right there. Uh, This is – I know a lot of people are going, boy, the Cavaliers got Donovan Mitchell, and that's great. I think this is going to end up being a great deal for the Utah Jazz. Maybe not this year, but Danny Ainge has been a master at these type of deals. And look at what he did in Boston. I like this move for the Jazz. I really do. Now, in the interim, do I think it's a good move for Cleveland? Yes. You know, I think getting an all-star like Mitchell, but the Cavaliers gave up a lot. They gave up a lot. And, you know, who knows where the picks are going to be in 25, 27, and 29. But let's just say, I'm just saying, what would happen if Mitchell were to have a real bad injury in – 2025 and the Cavaliers are a lottery team or in 29. That's a long ways off from now. I I just like this move for both these teams, to be honest with you. But the Jazz are clearly going in a completely different direction after they traded Rudy Gobert to Minnesota. And I think this could work out very well uh, for both teams. The losers in this are the New York Knicks, who really wanted Mitchell. They walked away from trade talks, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, on Monday night. And the Cavaliers stepped in, and they now have a legitimate all-star in Donovan Mitchell. So there you have it. If you want to talk about that, we can do so. You got some college football tonight with uh, Purdue and Penn State. Horrible news if you're a fan of the Tennessee Titans. They lost their best pass rusher in practice to a torn ACL yesterday. Harold Landry, okay, who had 12 sacks last year, is out for the year. Brutal. Absolutely devastating loss at this point for the Tennessee Titans. What a horrible way to start the season if you're the Titans. So their defense just went from very good to not as good. Let's put it that way. All right, you know the routine. If you want to come on, you hit your hand icon. You raise your hand, uh, and I will put you right on. If you are listening to me in uh, Northern California, good luck with the impending heat wave as it continues to get warmer and warmer and will be absolutely brutal this weekend so good luck with that good luck with that uh you know again we talk about tensions in the world and the former world number one player victoria azarenka all right and the player from ukraine 
Marta Kostuk, and I may have mispronounced her name wrong, all right, uh, they refused to shake hands. So instead, the Ukrainian uh, raised her racket for a quick tap. Yeah, you can, you can understand that. You can understand that at all. You can certainly understand that. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. I just wanted to put that out because uh, you're going to be hearing a lot of this in the sporting world if participants of these countries are, are allowed to uh, compete. All right. So there you have it. All right. Uh, by the way, the Ukrainian player did say, it was my choice. I don't feel like I don't know any single person who condemned the war publicly and the actions of their government. So I don't feel like I can support this. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. She's a great competitor, but it has nothing to do with her being a human being. Speaking of the US Open, last night, that was an amazing performance by Serena Williams. An incredible performance to beat the number two seed. I think the fanfare is over the top, personally, with the videos before, the Oprah Winfrey video after. To me, that's a little excessive. But, boy, was Serena Williams was great last night. I mean, she is, I don't think there's any doubt she's the greatest tennis player ever on the women's side. I know we had this debate a couple of days ago that I would love to see her have played Martina in her prime, but I think Serena would, would beat Martina in her prime. Uh, I think she's arguably the greatest female athlete of all time, but what she did last night at the U.S. Open was incredible. Incredible performance by Serena Williams. And, and as I said, I think the fanfare is a little ridiculous. I think it's over the top. And now Serena and Venus will uh, play in doubles tonight at 7 o'clock. And then Serena will be back on center court tomorrow. I haven't seen the time, but I believe it's going to be at uh, 7 o'clock Eastern. But that was a hell of a match last night. That was an unbelievable performance. One of, really incredible. I watched the first set. I watched the first two games of the second set. I knew the second set was over. And so I came back to watch the third set. And it was complete domination by Serena Williams. Great match. Really was. A lot of fun to watch. All right. Let's get to uh, some phone calls to start us off here on a Thursday with Brian. Brian, thank you for getting us started. How are you today? Hey, good, Grant. How are you? Hope you're doing well. Thank you. You too. Hey, so with the uh, season around the corner, uh, I'm looking at the NFC. If you uh, were had to pick three teams, if their current roster stays as is, no injuries, which three NFC teams do you like, just out of curiosity? I like San Francisco. I like the Rams. And I like the Eagles. Okay. Yeah, no, that's great. I have two of those. Right, I have. And, I, you know, interesting enough, I do a little future betting for fun. And yep. I, put a, I put a bet on the Niners, actually, to come – not to win the Super Bowl, to come out of the NFC, because I think a couple AFC teams are superior. Uh, but they were 600-something, you know, to one. And surprisingly, right. the Bucks are 300-something to one or whatever to come out of the NFC. And I've heard you, and I agree. I don't, I don't think – I think the Bucks are overrated this year, you know, and I just don't see it happening. I mean, I know Tom's Tom and all that, and he can get on a roll as the season's going, but – I don't know. Just something doesn't feel right. Feel right about that squad. I, I just was really surprised on that that uh, difference in the spread on that type of bet, and I placed it after they signed Jimmy. So we know we have a solid quarterback situation if one goes down and Lance doesn't perform. But my three, yep. I you know Niners, I have in the three, not necessarily one, but three Rams, of course, and I still got to go with Rodgers. You know, with the with the with the Packers, of course, but the Eagles are certainly an interesting team and definitely favoring them out of the, uh, the, the, uh, the NFC division there. And I think the Cowboys are going to take a step back uh, possibly. And 
you know, the Cardinals, as we spoke before, they seem to be a bubble team. I'm going to be real curious how they perform. But uh, anyhow, interesting enough. And and do you think on the on your New York Giants, I think I was looking at the win total. I think uh, it was over-under for the season six or something. Do you have the over-under on that? I would take the under on that. I don't think they're going to win six games. I think the over-under was six and a half. I may be wrong. Uh, but yeah. to me, yeah. the, I, I don't I don't see them winning even six games. I think they're going to be terrible. I think they're going to have a horrible year. And, um, again, I I just don't see them winning a lot of games. They open up at Tennessee. They come home to take on Carolina in week two. So, you know, if they don't beat Carolina, they won't win six games. If they beat Carolina, you know, with 15 games left after that, could I see them squeaking out five or six wins? That's best-case scenario. I just don't see them being very good. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear you there. And one last question. On that AFC West just loaded, which team do you see coming in last out of the four? It's just such an interesting dynamic this year, one of the most interesting divisions in in years. I think Denver's the least talented of the four teams, and I say that least talented is probably not even the right way to say it. I just think Denver is not as good as Kansas City, the Chargers, and the Raiders. And I could see – any of those three teams winning the division, I'd be shocked. I, w- I should take that back. I'd be very surprised if Denver won the division. I wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers won the division. I did a show yesterday with Sean Salisbury on No Filter Network, and he thinks the Chargers are going to win the division. He thinks they're the best team in the division, and he's a Raiders fan. He's a diehard Raiders fan, and he's picking the Chargers to win the division. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be an interesting division. A lot of fireworks, I imagine, this year. And uh, one last question. Uh, as we spoke weeks ago, are you are we going to do that pick them spread, you know, starting next yes. week and everything? Yep. Yep. Right before week one, we're going to do it. Absolutely. So next week. Okay, cool. Absolutely. We will do it. Uh, we'll do it next Friday. All right. We'll do it next Friday. I might I might even do it Thursday. That gives people a chance. I can give my picks on Thursday. OK, I'll give my picks on Thursday. That will give my listeners a chance to think about it, and they can give me their picks on Friday. How's that sound? Yeah, I think that's great. Give an idea or give the, the four games or whatever you're going to do yep. the day before so then we can call in the next day. I like that idea yep. a lot. Okay, thanks, okay, buddy. Grant. I appreciate it. Take care. Yep, bye-bye. All right, let's get to uh, Jeff next here on Listen Up. Hey, Jeff, what's going on today? Oh, I'm just nothing, Grant. I'm just doing the doing the rescue. Other than that, listening to you, caught up on some of your podcasts and stuff. That was good. That was interesting. Uh, anyways, I did watch Serena last night. You know, I'm not a big tennis fan, but I said, you know, and I'm just going to enjoy it. Yeah, nothing else was really on TV. And I said, I, I want to watch greatness. You know, I want to watch it. Yep. You know, you know, I just want to see. I want to see it. And uh you know, the first set, that was interesting. It came down to the tiebreaker, you know, that she put, I mean, that took a lot of out, out of her. And then the second set, as you say, the, the, the challenge, the other, uh, the number two, I forgot her name. Uh, but anyway, she, yeah, the, uh, she, yeah, she's from Estonia and I forgot her name too, but go ahead. Anyway, she, uh, she really came out blazing and just was on fire. I don't know if Serena yep. just got drained from that first first set but uh the commentator uh uh i, th- I think it was uh, McEnroe said you know after she was so far behind he says you know i don't know how much she's going to put into this you know with wasting the energy to not go into the third set and uh i guess that proved to be right you know and I'm not. Yeah, you know, if you're, yeah, and her best case was to lose the second set and and have something left for the third set. Yeah, I think, and that happens more times than not. It's not that uncommon. It really isn't. Right, right. So and that that proved to be good. I mean, she went in the locker room, and I didn't know you're allowed to do that. And then the 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 third set, she just come out just a blazing, and uh, you know, and I just found it quite interesting. I do have a question. I'm yeah. I'm not. I'm not all up on the rules and stuff, but there was a shot. I don't know if you've seen it or not, but she told the crowd to be quiet. She wagged her finger. Yes. And the ball seemed to go out of the line on the right side of the court, you know, on the uh, towards the back, and it showed the replay. It looked like it was out. 
don't they don't they have replay on that? Yeah, the the the, uh, the ball was actually, believe it or not, in all it, any part of the ball touching okay. the line is considered in, and that was extremely close. But there was just a, a a fraction of the ball hitting the line, and she was just telling the crowd, "Hey, don't go there," which I find very interesting because you know, as much as I enjoy watching Serena play. She's been on the other side of that many times where she's inside of the crowd, you know, yelled and uh, uh, cursed out lines, people, chair umpires. I mean, when Naomi Osaka won her first U.S. Open, I mean, Serena actually ruined it for her with her behavior. So, you know, again, it was the right thing to do. But I mean, I thought it was kind of ironic, I guess, to say. Ironic. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, and I do agree with the fanfare and that the the stadium, the announcer had to tell them to chill out a few times. And Well, that, you know, that, that, that happens all the time. That happens all the time, and especially in New York. There, uh, New York's always been known for the crowd favorites. That happens all the time. It happened with Jimmy Connors. It happened with, I mean, it, Andre Agassi. I mean, we can go on and on. That's not uncommon. The chair umpire has to tell the crowd to settle down quite often at New York tennis matches. So when you were when you lived in New York, did you ever get to go to? Uh, we went every year. My dad took me every year. We went in the first week, and the reason for that is we enjoyed going to a lot of the matches on the outer courts. And there was a court. It's called Court 16, and it's not the stadium and it's not the grandstand, but it's the next wow. best court. And I remember as a I remember watching Jim Courier play Michael Chang on that court one. Uh, either afternoon or evening, and it was a great match. And then another great match, I remember watching Jimmy Connors play against a player named Paul Harhus, and Connors was down, you know, two sets to love and uh-huh. looked like he was down and out, and he got a little momentum, and the crowd went crazy, and Connors came back and won a thrilling five-set match. So, yeah, I, <laughs> we, used to love going to, we used to love going to the U.S. Open. I used to love going to the U.S. Open, and I remember that match. That night, we didn't get out of there until like 1.45 in the morning. You have to understand, like, let's just say last night, uh, uh, Daniel Medvedev played after the Williams match. Now, uh, Medvedev won in straight sets. But if that match had gone five sets and four or five hours, it wouldn't have mattered. They played at 2, 3 in the morning. That's They, they don't stop playing. There's no curfew or anything like that at the U.S. Open. So if the first match, like last night, the first match went quite long, and you have all the fanfare, and then Medvedev comes out in his match. You know, if that match had gone five hours, it wouldn't have mattered. The match didn't even start until after 10 o'clock at night. They would have played until 3 in the morning. Wow. I guess, you know, now that you're saying that, I mean, some of the the matches can last three or four hours. The endurance. Oh, yeah. You've got to be in pretty awesome shape. Uh, just, I mean, to take that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. You've got to be in incredible shape. You got to be, I mean, there's no, no fool in there, but I did notice there, uh, you know, I, I, it's not my first time watching it. So, but I did notice there wasn't a lot coming up to the net. And I used to think no. that players used to come up to the net and a lot, but last night it seemed they were playing back a lot. What, what's that strategy? Well, uh, in women's tennis, particularly, it's more of a baseline game. And even the men's game has become that way much. I mean, uh, players now are so good at return of serve that coming to the net can be a very dangerous you see it a lot at Wimbledon uh on the on the on the lawn uh on the grass that's an extremely fast surface you'll see it at the U.S. Open I mean you know there are certain players that you know do uh serve in volley but the game has changed a lot now and again players are so good at return or serve. but you'll see it on the men's side if you watch you know men's tennis the, the, you know I'll tell you this volleying and, and I'm gonna let you go we got a bad uh connection in the background Volleying and tennis is like bunting in baseball now. You know, we used to watch John McEnroe or used to watch Yvonne Lendl or used to watch uh, Boris Becker when he was winning Wimbledon or, you know, all, all those great players. They used to always serve in volley. Michael Steech, when he won Wimbledon, had a great serve. It was serve in volley. I mean, McEnroe won many majors with serve in volley. That is not as prevalent in the game today as it used to be, you know, it's more of a baseline game and boy, can these athletes just hit the hell out of the ball that pace last night, that match with uh, Williams, 
and uh, the number two seed. And again, I forgive me for I, I don't that shows you the popularity of tennis in this country. I would think I'm in the vast majority of people that can't pronounce or didn't even know the name of the number two player in the world. That's that's the problem with tennis right now, especially on the women's side. I mean, it's been Serena, 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 and then who else, you know? And the women's side to me is completely uh, unknown unless you are a diehard uh, tennis fan. I would even say so on the men's side now. You know, the the world of tennis on the men's side has lacked a legitimate U.S. player for years now, for years. It, It just has. I mean, once Agassi and... Sampras left the United States on the men's side, all right, has really declined. You know, you had Andy Roddick for a little while, but I'm I don't know. It's just it's it's more of a you know, the best players in the world now are not Americans in men's tennis. Serena obviously arguably the greatest women's player in the history of the sport. You know, Serena's incredible. She's still incredible. But on the men's side, name me the last really good tennis player on the men's side from the United States. Right? Uh, it's been a while. Again, you, Sampras, Agassi, been a long time. Been a long time. All right, if you want to get in on the program, hit your hand icon, uh, and we will do it. I got my event coming up on the 12th of September out at uh, Bennett's in Roseville. So I'm really hoping, all right, really hoping that you all can make it out there and we will have a a great time. All right. That is on uh, September 12th at Bennett's Kitchen Bar in Roseville. All right. Hit me up. We'll do it. You got college football tonight. You've got the big trade in the NBA with the Jazz and the Cavaliers. You've got a bad injury with the Titans. They lose Landry, their best pass rusher. Speaking of Landry, Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com will be my guest tomorrow. All right? So I'm looking forward to that. And we talk a lot about Jimmy Garoppolo. And Garoppolo said today that returning was, and again, I'll read the quote directly, but it's very interesting what uh, Jimmy G had to say. Wasn't on my mind, to be completely honest. I was training out here. I had to be here. So I was here for that reason. I was just trying to get my body right. I felt very confident out there and I knew that I was ready to roll. I just need to figure out where it was. And things kind of fell into place these last couple days. So Garoppolo, again, talking about staying with the 49ers. And John Lynch also said, What I can tell you with great confidence is like combine time. There were really serious talks with probably two, three teams that I felt you'd have to ask them like this was going to happen. And then that's when the news broke. Lynch said, once Garoppolo resumed throwing in late June and got got cleared to practice, uh, quote, that's why we were a little at a loss. Yeah, because you can talk to his doctor. You can talk to our doctor. He can talk to a lot of people and he was doing well but we're happy they didn't. We're happy that he's here, all right? Talking about getting cleared to practice on July 26th, all right? Garoppolo went on and said that he considered asking the Niners for his release, but he never actually did, all right? Because he didn't want his successful tenure to end that way, quote, That's just wasn't the way I wanted to go. I think that there was a thought of that at one point. Trust me, there was, but that came and went. I'm one of those people that I don't want to really ruffle the feathers too much here and there and kind of want to just go with the flow. And that's kind of the way the training camp was going. And I was happy with it. Uh, He was also asked, Uh, about the familiarity with the team, the scheme, the coaches, uh, and why it was so important to get a no trade and a no tag clause. Quote, seeing the other opportunities that were out there, 
and you weigh in the pros and cons of everything. Trust me, there was a lot of back and forth going on just with other teams and what I wanted my future to look like. And so this is what I wanted. All right. And as far as Trey Lance, quote, it's not my decision. It's an organization decision. Jimmy's been on the roster this whole entire time. Obviously, I knew it was a possibility of bringing him back. There's no bad blood at all between me and Jimmy since day one. I was all arms open, excited to have him back. So there you have it. There you have it. You have everything going on in a positive direction, in my opinion, with the San Francisco 49ers. As I said, I don't see any negatives at all to having Jimmy Garoppolo on the team. I don't have any issues at all. I don't see any issues. I think it is a really solid, solid move. Solid move for the San Francisco 49ers. All right, if you want to get in on the program, all you need to do is hit that hand icon and I will put you right on. I hope you're getting ready for a, a tremendous Labor Day weekend. Hard to believe it's September 1st, isn't it? I love it. Labor Day weekend, love it. I wish the NFL season would start on Labor Day weekend like it used to years ago. I hate the fact that the season starts so late. I mean, to me, Labor Day weekend was always about two things. It was always about the NFL season beginning and going to school two days after Labor Day. Where I grew up on Long Island, every year, you go to school two days after Labor Day. The Wednesday after Labor Day, school, right? So Labor Day weekend for me signaled the really the truly end of summer the start of football season, and going back to school. That's how I looked at Labor Day weekend uh, growing up. But I hope you have uh, a good weekend plan. I know, boy, the weather, I looked at the forecast, absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. All right, let's get to Ryan right here on Listen App. What's up there, Ryan? Good afternoon, Grant. What's going on? How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. Uh, kind of a busy day in sports for this time I of year. I would say so. Man, it sure is. Very busy, and it's going to start getting even more and more busy. But, yeah, that's an interesting trade with the Cavaliers and the Jazz. Does the, it doesn't make the Jazz better today, but I think, if the, I think the Jazz have a chance to really rebuild with this trade. So we'll see. You know, time will tell. Yeah, I mean, I, I think – Danny Ainge, he's famous for this with the Celtics. He's taking that same model and he's doing it in Utah. I mean, you saw the writing on the wall and I, I think the Gobert trade, we've said it numerous times, that changed the entire entire market for the NBA yes. with trades and Kevin Durant. But, you know, they're, they're going to build up for the future. And um, I, I actually think it's probably an A across the board for everybody. This makes Cleveland much better. This puts Cleveland in a spot where maybe they can contend for the five, six seed, maybe a little bit higher. Um, and Utah, you are already not going to go places just with Donovan on his own. So in on top of that, it, it's good for small market teams. It, it's a way to get an all-star. And that's what small market teams have to do unless you hit the lottery in the draft. Correct. 100%. And I'll tell you, you know, from the Jazz perspective, I'll tell you, Colin Sexton's a really, really good player. Uh, they, they got themselves a really good player. He's not Donovan Mitchell good, but, you know, he obviously tore his knee uh, when, he, when he was going good. But the point is, you know, ACLs now and knee injuries in the NBA aren't really that big of a deal due to modern technology and surgery. Most all players that come back from ACLs and have tremendous success. But when you look at Colin Sexton, I like him. I think he is a solid, solid player. Uh, and I think the Jazz actually are going to, and I'm with you, I would give him an A and I'd give the Cleveland Cavaliers an A. I think that's right on. Yeah. And um, also I, I would, say that you know with Cleveland it, would you see a window open now for LeBron to think about ending his career there I haven't even thought that uh, I haven't uh, possibly uh, uh, who knows with LeBron I really don't know I haven't even given that thought until you asked me so I, I really don't know but you know I want to get back to the Jazz for one second here when I look at Colin Sexton all right with Mike Conley who was really good last year with Boyan Bogdanovich, with Laurie Markkinen, all right? Obviously, at center, they take a big step down. They got Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench, uh, Beasley coming off the bench, Rudy Gay coming off the bench. I'm not so sure 
that they're not still a playoff team. I think they're still a pretty decent team. I don't think they're as good as they were, but with Conley, Sexton, uh, uh, Bogdanovich, marketing, with Jordan Clarkson, with Beasley, with Gay, with uh, Horton Tucker coming off the bench, I don't think – I, I don't think they're that bad. I, I still think they're a legitimate team. Do I think they're a 50-win team? No. Could I see them being like the eighth seed in the West? I absolutely still could, yes. Sure. I I, I think eight seed or playing, no doubt. Yep. Um, you know, yep. in Sexton, he, he did a contract extension, so he's there for another four years for $72 yes. million, I believe. Yep. And yep. I feel like that's yes. a discount. That That's a good deal for Utah. Uh, with Sexting. He is a great player, like you said. Uh, speaking of contracts and players, let's talk Russ Wilson. How is Russ Wilson the third highest paid quarterback in the NFL? Well, and he, took, and he gave them a, a hometown discount on guaranteed money. All right. So his contract, if you look at his contract, his guaranteed money is much, much less than a lot of the other quarterbacks that have signed this year, namely Watson, Murray, uh, if you look at the guaranteed money, I was reading a story on this today that they feel that the contract that Russell Wilson agreed to is going to really hurt Lamar Jackson, who is still looking for his money. And it's also going to have an impact when the contracts of Herbert and Burrow and these other young quarterbacks come up. They feel that the contract that Wilson signed today was very unfriendly for other quarterbacks currently in the league looking to get their money. Yeah, it, it, it's kind of the opposite of Gobert, right? It dropped the market instead of raising yes. the market for other players. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, in that I don't know Russ personally. We don't know any of these players, but Russ doing that, I mean, that that's just Russ. And, yeah, it's going to help the team. But I, I was listening to Brian. He stole a little bit of my thunder, what I want to talk about with the AFC West. Where do you see the AFC West shaking out one to four? Well, and also let's not feel sorry for Russell Wilson out of his – he does have $165 million of guaranteed money. So let's Very also true. keep that in perspective. I think it's Kansas City, the Chargers, the Raiders, and the Broncos. That's how I see it. And I could see both the Chargers. I could see both the second and third place team in the West being both playoff teams. Agreed. And, I, well, I don't agree with your rankings, but I do think that there's going to be numerous wild cards coming out of that conference or from that division. Um, I, I think, and call me crazy, the Raiders, I think, are going to win that division. Derek Carr is the most underrated quarterback in the NFL. He's gone through numerous head coaches, numerous schemes, and he's got the weapons now around him. Obviously, the Raiders are going to have to deal in the future with Darren Waller's contract situation, but getting Devontae Adams, who he played with in college, I think they are going to shock everybody, and this is going to be a huge season for them. And I'm not a Raiders fan. So I, I think they are going to be number one. I think it's going to be Chargers two, Chiefs three, and then Broncos four. I don't think the Broncos are going to do well with Russ this first year. The uh, thing I see with the Raiders is their schedule beginning in December Home Chargers at the Rams, home New England, which I don't think is going to be very good, at Pittsburgh, who I don't think is going to be very good, but a cold weather game on Christmas Eve, then home San Francisco, home Kansas City. So that stretch, those six games, four of those six are really difficult. Chargers at the Rams, Niners, Kansas City. Now, we can't forecast injuries, and is it possible right. that the Chiefs would have nothing to play for on that last game of the season. Yes, it is. But that's that's a part of their schedule that I look at and go, uh, you know, now they, they start off uh, Sunday against the Chargers, home Arizona at Tennessee. Then they go Denver at Kansas City. So what do you think? You think they win? Okay, based on what you're saying then, I, I think you feel they're going to win at least 12 games out of 17, or do you have them going 11 and 6? How many wins are we talking about? Grant, I, I think because that division is so strong, there's going to be a lot of parity within it. 
you're you're going to have games where guys or teams, I should say, not guys, um, they, you know, it, it's going to be different because you're dealing with a different skill set and you're dealing with, I mean, it's the best division in football. There's no doubt about that. I think they are going to probably win at least 11 games. I think 12 is fair. And, you know, what could catapult them, Grant? You talk about the strength of schedule at the end of the season. If they get hot, and that can build a lot of confidence when you are beating teams like that, because the NFL and most sports are all about getting hot at the right time. And I think the Raiders are going to pull through that division. I, I really do. Well, I know one thing. Every week's going to be fun watching it. That's for darn sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, there are no there are no weak teams in that division. And that's in Denver. I Listen, if you told me uh, we fast forward and we're talking in January and we're getting ready for a Broncos playoff game, that wouldn't shock me. I mean, they're, they're not chopped liver. They're still a good team. I just personally feel that you know there's someone has to finish in last place in that division that's just the way it is and for that reason I'm picking Denver yeah I I'm I'm with you with Denver they will finish last in my opinion the offense has to be drastically different with Russ it's going to be a lot different than what they were running before he was there and um, even with the 49ers that's what kind of interests me because you have to tweak the offense towards Trey Lance. He's a different player than Jimmy G. And Jimmy G didn't have the playbook. So imagine Trey Lance going down, and hopefully not, in week two, week three. That is going to be a difficult spot for Jimmy G to step in because that's not his type of offense. Well, I know one thing. Uh, The 49ers are... And when I look at all the teams that right now are capable of winning the Super Bowl, I was talking about this the other day with somebody. So if you look at the NFC, teams that I think could win the Super Bowl, I think Green Bay could win the Super Bowl. I think the Rams obviously could win the Super Bowl. I think the Niners could win the Super Bowl. Just because they have Tom Brady, I think the Buccaneers could win the Super Bowl. I don't think there's any team in the NFC East that I could pick to win the Super Bowl. I don't think there are a lot of teams in the NFC that could win the Super Bowl. Now, in the AFC, all right, it's totally different. Bills, I could see winning the Super Bowl. Bengals, I could see winning the Super Bowl. I could see uh, Baltimore winning the Super Bowl. Uh, I could see all three teams that we just mentioned in the AFC West. I could see the Raiders. I could see the Chargers. You there, buddy? Now, yeah, I lost you for a minute. Oh, well, what I was saying was I was looking I was I was talking about all the teams in the AFC that I could see winning the Super Bowl. And to me, that's going to make watching the NFL this year. I mean, not that it's not like the, it, we have competitive balance in the NFL year to year. There's like who picked Cincinnati at the beginning of the season last year to go to the Super Bowl? How many people right. do you know, Ryan, last year when we were talking about Super Bowl teams? Pick the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't think anybody picked the Bengals. But this year, look at Buffalo, all right? Could they go to the Super Bowl? Absolutely. Most people think they will. Cincinnati was just in the Super Bowl. The Raiders, the Broncos, the Chiefs, the Chargers, I don't think the Broncos are going to the Super Bowl. But, I mean, if Russell Wilson plays out of his mind, yeah. But the Raiders, yes. Chiefs, yes. Chargers, yes. I just think that the the conferences right now are not really balanced. I don't see teams in the NFC other than Green Bay, the Rams and San Francisco, and only because they have Tom Brady, the Bucks going to the Super Bowl. I just think the AFC is just a much more powerful conference this year. Yeah, it's a monster this year. There's no doubt. Yes. And um, yep. if you had to put odds on it, what would you set the line at that an NFC team would win the Super Bowl this year? Well, I would put it at probably 40%. Because you're talking about one 60-minute game. And if Aaron Rodgers is in the Super Bowl, he's Aaron Rodgers. If Tom Brady's in the Super Bowl, well, okay, he's already been in there 10 times. Uh, Stafford just won a Super Bowl. I wouldn't say uh, San Francisco, with their defense and their running game, I would say 40%. You think it's more than that? You think it's less than that? I would give the NFC team right now, without knowing injuries, without knowing anything else, I would say I'd give them a 40% chance of winning the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I would go 30 to 40%. I, I, so I'm there. Um, and speaking of the Bengals, wasn't there that guy that did the future bet 
Do you remember that? Where he did the NFC or the uh, AFC championship and then also the Super Bowl championship. And he was set to win, like, I want to say it was like six or seven million dollars. And it yeah. uh, didn't work out. But yeah, so somebody saw it. The Bengals coming, obviously. Or it's just sure. random. Well, but... Sure. Well, I, and there's always that one team. I was talking with Sean Salisbury yesterday. I don't know if you were still on when we were talking yep. about the Saints. If, and again, this is a big if, if Jameis Winston, okay, could just cut down on his turnovers with the defense that the Saints have. Now, the unknown to me are two things on the Saints. One is Winston, and the other is Alvin Kamara. All right? I don't know what the situation is going to be with Alvin Kamara. I don't know if he's going to be playing the full season. I think he is a huge part of their offense. And if he is taken off the field for legal reasons, in other words, if he is suspended, that's going to really hurt the Saints. And that could very well happen in the middle of the season. Well, we don't know what's going to happen with him, but we do know what should happen. He should not be on the field right now. That period, end of story, you can't convince me otherwise. I know you've been a strong proponent of that, but I'm going to ask you one last question. Well, one other thing, he also has a teammate. He also has a teammate now that is also facing very serious charges because, you know, Marcus May was arrested and accused of aggravated assault with a firearm, and he's a starting safety. So he's got company of, uh, I don't know, is is he going to wear a don't hate or stop hate? On his helmet, too, is we're going to see Marcus May out on Sunday with a helmet that says, you know, stop hate. Just curious. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you, Grant. I mean, the, the fact that this is his second issue involving yep. a vehicle and this one included a firearm, allegedly. Yep. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a problem. We've talked about that with the NFL. So. I'm going to ask you the last question. Who do you think is going to be the biggest surprise and the biggest bust this year in the NFL? I think the biggest bust will be, you ready for this? And I, I, I'm glad Sean Salisbury is not in the room with me right now. <laughs> I think the team that is going to have the biggest disappointing season are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just do not like their training camp, their offensive line. Brady 45. Uh, and again, I, I, I'm doing a rant on this tomorrow, so I don't want to be uh, contradicting myself. Apparently, he's got personal issues going off the field. The speculation is it's with his wife. I personally don't care about his personal issues. I don't care about his marriage. It's none of my business. However, that could be a factor. I know we're talking about Tom Brady here, but the offensive line to me is a big concern for the Bucs. I'm also was not sold on Todd Bowles as a head coach when he was with the Jets. So you don't have Arians there anymore. Uh, Todd Bowles, excellent defensive coordinator, although I thought his call in the playoff game against the Rams last year with the all-out blitz was one of the worst calls I've ever seen in all my years of watching football. So I'm going to pick Tampa, okay, as the team that everyone thinks is going to be a Super Bowl contender and I'm going to pick them to fall. All right, who's your team in the NFC? Um, I would say the biggest surprise in the NFC is not going to be the Seahawks. <laughs> That's number one. Um, I actually right. think the Niners are going to be the biggest surprise. Uh, Trey Lance, he's not had a fair shake. I've been a critic of how they've handled the situation. But I think they are very strong on both sides of the ball. And I think uh, as long as Trey plays well, they will get to the Super Bowl or at least to the NFC Championship. Okay. And I don't think he will play that well to get them there. But that's what's the fun uh, of the season. And then the other team is uh, I know a lot of people are high on the Colts with Matt Ryan going over there. I'm not as high. But if Matt Ryan has a good season, They have a very good offensive line. They have an incredible running game. They have a very good defense. So even though I'm not a huge Matt Ryan fan, I'm going to pick the Colts. All right? I'm going to pick the Colts in the AFC. I agree with you. 
you uh, stole my thunder. I think Matt is going to be rejuvenated. They've got a great running game, one of the best uh, running backs yep. in the NFL, um, and good offensive line. Uh, Quentin Nelson. I, I think great. that the Colts are going to possibly be the big surprise. So we are on the same page on that one, my friend. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor stays healthy, all right? And that defense, which is very, very good, plays the way it's capable of. They're going to be in a lot of football games. And here's the other thing. They play in a weak division with Jacksonville and Houston, and now Tennessee losing their best pass rusher. You have the uncertainty with Tannehill, although last year they were pretty good. I The Colts could be the team to win that division. That I'll tell you, do not underestimate the injury to Landry on the Titans in practice this week, their best right. pass rusher out for the year. That is a devastating loss for the Tennessee Titans on defense. Changes the entire game. Um, you know, everybody watch heart, or watches hard knocks, or a lot of people do, and it changes your perception of a team. But do you think there's something brewing in Detroit? No, not this year. I still think Green Bay and Minnesota are the top two teams. I think Detroit will be the third team, and I think the Bears will be fourth in that division. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I like what I've seen thus far um, from Detroit. I mean, it seems like there's a little bit of a culture change, but who knows? Yep. It's too soon to sell. But uh, yeah. All right, man. I'm going to give everybody else time. Grant, always great talking to you. Have a great rest of the day and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Sounds great. All right. If you do want to come on, as Ryan said, you hit your hand icon. Uh, raise your hand, then you will do it. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm looking at the schedule for Detroit. Home against Philadelphia, loss. Home against Washington, toss up. At Minnesota, loss. Home Seattle, I can see them winning that game. At New England, I think they lose, but that's, you know, a close game. At Dallas, loss. Miami at home, loss. Green Bay at home, loss. At Chicago, could win. At the Giants, could win. Buffalo at home, loss. Jacksonville at home, could win. Minnesota at home, loss. At the Jets, could win. At Carolina, could win. Chicago at Green Bay. Yeah, there's some wins on there. Absolutely. I think so. But I'm, I'm not... I, they're not a 500 or close to a 500 team, in my opinion. All right, let's get to Jay right here on Listen Up. Jay, good to have you on the show today. How are you, sir? Hey, Grant. Excellent. Doing well. Hey, I love the NFL talk. Uh, excited for the, the season to get started. Um, I agree with you that uh, that uh, Charger Raider game uh, week one is uh, probably going to be the, the best game of the weekend. And it's also going to give us a highlight of uh, – um, th- those two teams and what's up, you know, is 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 one of those teams going to outclass the other or is it going to be a slugfest? And I, lo- I look forward to that matchup. I think it's by far the best game on the card. I think Green Bay at Minnesota is intriguing. A lot of people are expecting, you know, Minnesota to take a step up this year. I'm not so sold still on Kirk Cousins, but that is going to be an interesting week one game. Uh, Green Bay at Minnesota. I think the Chiefs at Arizona with Kyler Murray playing so poorly in the month of December last season and a horrible game in January against the Rams in the playoffs. But to me, the, 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 the four best games, all right, are the Raiders and the Chargers, Green Bay at Minnesota, the Bucks at the Cowboys on Sunday night, and the did I say Kansas City, Arizona? So it's Green Bay, Minnesota, Kansas City, Arizona, Las Vegas at Los Angeles, 
and uh, Tampa Bay at Dallas. Those, to me, are your four top games on the card this week. I think there are a lot of bad games. When I say this week, I'm talking about week one. New Orleans at Atlanta, ah. San Francisco at Chicago, ah. Pittsburgh at Cincy, no. Philadelphia, Detroit, no. New England, Miami. I mean, I know it's the battle of the young quarterbacks, but I, I, it should be okay of a game, not that great. Baltimore at the Jets, no. Jacksonville at Washington, no. Cleveland at Carolina because of Baker, you know, and Car- yes, but still not really good teams. Indianapolis at Houston doesn't really do much for me. Giants at Tennessee, bad game. So I just think those four games, Green Bay at Minnesota, Kansas City at Arizona, Raiders at Chargers, Bucks at Cowboys are your four top games on the card. Yeah, totally agree. Hey, on the NBA side, you know, it, it, that um, with that Mitchell trade, it just feels like, you know, obviously Utah's resetting. And and for them to reset, um, they're, they're going to either have to acquire uh, an, an all-star in their reset, whether, you know, not maybe not this uh-huh. year, but they're going to have to either acquire an all-star or they're going to have to draft a future all-star. And for them to draft a future all-star with the, with the picks they have coming back, it looks like I, se- I sense that the majority of those picks are going to be, you know, in the mid to late teens or higher. And so they're going to have to have their own pick be the, be one of the lower picks. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was, if they, if they ended up moving some more of these assets for, for picks and this, this ended up being a, a pseudo tank year, you know, just on paper, I agree with your assessment that, you know, they could probably still be a, a seventh, eighth play in team. But um, I, I just I don't get the sense that's that's what they want because it, it it's not going to help them on their reset. Well, they're going to have to be pretty good to get a player in the draft that's as good as Donovan Mitchell. That's for sure. I mean that that is for sure. They are going to have to be. Uh, that doesn't happen all the time. That that's going to be very difficult to get a Donovan Mitchell in the draft. All right, but Colin Sexton is a really good player has the potential, okay, to be a all-star in the NBA. He's that talented. Now, do I see it happening this year? No, but I'm just saying he's got that ability. Can I see him being Donovan Mitchell? Probably not. I think that's going a little too far. But I I think he's got an extremely uh, bright upside. I really do. Yeah, I I agree. I I like Sex as a player. Not sure I'm sold on – on the mix around them, um, you know, I, you know, it seems yep. like it's just a, it's a filler team and um, yeah, you know, fillers, occasionally filler teams still, you know, sneak into the playoffs, but it just, uh, it doesn't help the necessarily the long term, And, and especially if they're going to have to, they're going to have to be probably in the, in that top one through five to get um, an impact player, you know, most of the time. And um, uh, so, so I, I could I was, see them I trading. I could see them trading Mike Conley now too. I could see them, you know, yeah, now trying yeah. to get a team to take Mike Conley either now or before the trade deadline. So I don't think they're done, Jay. I still think they're going to be wheeling and dealing. Yeah, uh, totally with you there. Hey, hey, you probably saw uh, Montrez Harrell had that that felony marijuana charge yes. dropped to a misdemeanor. So. Um, you know, he seems like he took a step back the last couple of years. I mean, when he was on the, when he was on the Clippers, he just seemed like a monster and, and, you know, maybe injuries and, and style. He didn't seem as dominating on the court, but he was only 28. And so, you know, he'd be, he's an interesting guy to still be on the market. And, um, I suspicion there's going to be some teams now that will probably take a peek at him now that, uh, we're in misdemeanor territory. I would. I'd look at him for sure. I I don't know if you st- have him start, but have him on your roster coming off the bench. I'm with you on that. I'm. I think that's yeah, going to happen yeah. now. Yeah, high high energy guy, high effort guy. Yep. He, he seems to come across as you know a solid teammate, all all in for the team. He seems like a a team guy that you know most players would most organizations would want on their team. And um, yeah, in, that would be interesting. Jay, have a great hey, rest of the day. Forward. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Sorry. To uh, seeing, yeah, seeing, seeing everybody on uh, the twelfth at Bennett's. That's that's going to be a fun night. Jay, thanks for everything. I appreciate it. Again, thank you. Have a great day. Yep. See. You. Talk later. Bye. Yep. Really appreciate all the work that Jay and Ryan have done uh, for the event coming up on the twelfth. They've done an incredible job, and I can't thank them enough. All right, let's get to Brandon. You're next, right here on Listen App. Brandon, good afternoon. How are you today? What's up, Grant? 
So I called in a couple of weeks ago and let you know that I bet on the over on the eight and a half for the Raiders on the, on the complete season. But it's, it almost, to me, I, I told you, it felt like a no brainer to me, but you know, it's like, look at, looking at all the team's totals on the season, you know, it kind of makes me wonder if it's a trap bet just based on the fact that, I mean, you know, Vegas set the, set the line at eight and a half and, just to put it in perspective, I mean, that's that's what the Saints line is at. That's what the New England Patriots line is at. So, I mean, there's a lot of optimism around, uh, you know, the Raiders, it seems. But it doesn't seem like Vegas odds makers are really uh, buying it. So, it just Well, what's interesting, interesting is I, I would think I, I would think that the vast majority of people took the over on the Raiders. So, I'm with you on that. I was shocked when I saw that. You got it. it you, you, went, you went over eight and a half, right? Yeah, I went over, and that's another thought of mine was, you know, they obviously play in Vegas, so obviously, yeah, a lot of the action is going to be pouring in on the over. So it's just, it's just kind of I always think about that in the back of my mind. It's, uh, you know, the the line hasn't moved. I mean, you might you might have to pay a little bit more juice now, like minus one fifty or minus one sixty or whatever it's at now, but it's still at eight and a half. So it's just, you know, it's just interesting. Uh, it seems like uh, Vegas odds makers kind of you know, not necessarily agreeing with everyone's optimism. And maybe uh, they think their defense is just going to get tore up and they're going to lose, uh, you know, all these shootout games. I don't, I don't know. It's just interesting, though. It is interesting. I mean, because, you know, again, with a 17-game season, that means the Raiders are going to be under 500 this year based on if right. you go the under. I mean, so basically yeah. basically what they're saying is they're a 500 team for all intents and purposes at eight and a half. Right. Are you going to go over or right. are you going to go under? But I, I wouldn't right. think a lot of people are taking the Raiders in the under. I would think that very few people no, are I mean, under with the Raiders. Right, and I feel I mean, I mean, feel pretty good about it. It'll just be a fun season to watch, but I uh, just wanted to chime in and uh, touch base and uh, appreciate it, Grant. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you uh, calling. Good stuff right there. I am very surprised by that. I really am. Eight and a half for the Raiders. Eight and a half. Now, we know their division is very strong. We get that. You know, you got to play. Those are six games right there. But let's just say that they go three and three in those six games, right? Let's just say in the division, they split their games. So now you have 11 games left. And you don't think the Raiders are going to win six of those games? Again, you can't forecast injuries. Got new coach, new front office. I'm with you on the defensive secondary is a concern for me. But, boy, can you imagine the Raiders not winning nine games this year after getting Devontae Adams, Josh McDaniels coming over from New England? What that means is, to me, I'll tell you what that means. That means that Vegas does not think Derek Carr is going to have that good of a year. That's what that tells me. That's, you know, when I had the uh, gentleman on from the sports book two weeks ago on my podcast, he said that the quarterbacks move everything. When I asked him about Alvin Kamara, he said, no, nah, he's not a quarterback. You know, he didn't think it was that big of a deal. He's talking about the quarterbacks move the needle. Everything in Vegas is centered around the quarterback. Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. So when I see that line, that tells me quarterback, which I think they're undervaluing car when you look at waller at tight end when you look at renfro when you look at adams when you look at the running game offensive line question mark i think it's probably average it's not great but that is unbelievable eight and a half for the raiders now i wonder if you look at their schedule again all right so they go and take on the chargers in week one, they have a very difficult schedule, as I've talked about. So you go Chargers week one, Arizona week two. Again, I don't know what the Cardinals are going to be, so I, I don't have a read. At Tennessee week three, Denver home week four, at Kansas City, those five games. I think if the Raiders can go three and two in those five games, they're in great shape. Now, if their losses are in the division, maybe I change my mind. Like if they lose to the Chargers and lose to the Chiefs, all right, they've lost two games on the road, 
that makes their home games against the Chargers and the Chiefs pretty much must-win games if they're going to win the division. That's the way I look at that. But three divisional games in the first five weeks. At the Chargers, week one. Home Denver, week four. At Kansas City, Monday Night Football on October 10th, week five. We'll see how they get through at the gate the first five games. All right, we wrap up the week tomorrow, 3 o'clock Pacific. Chris Landry, LandryFootball.com. Tomorrow we talk a lot of NFL. We talk college football as well. That's tomorrow on my podcast if you don't like that. Hey, thanks very much, everyone. Have yourself a great rest of the day. Grant Napier saying so long. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.